0: You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguda, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. We've done it. Arsenal have won a football match in the Premier League. We've done it. We're off the mark. We scored a goal and Arsenal have three points on the board. Thank God for that. Thank bloody God for that. Uh, A big hello to everybody watching us live. Big hello to those of you who'll be listening to this or watching this back a little bit later on. hope you're all well and hope your Saturday has been brightened up by Arsenal, getting that victory, picking up all three points, getting off of the mark. Now, before I share my feelings and my views off the back of this game, I just want to say that I know it was Norwich City, okay? because I know instantly that there are going to be people in the chat box before we've even got into what actually unfolded today who will be saying, calm down, calm down, calm down. It's only Norwich City. They're the worst team in the Premier League, blah, 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 blah. I know that's coming. So let me just put that caveat in at the beginning of the conversation so that I don't have to keep saying it. You guys call me Harry Caveat Simu. So let me get that in nice and early. Let me live up to the name and let's get cracking. Arsenal defeated Norwich by a goal to nil at Emirates Stadium today. Let's start off by discussing the team that Mikel Arteta picked, because I think he sprung a few surprises, if we're being completely honest. Let's just quickly uh, bring it up on the screen for those of you who are watching us via the video platform. It was Aaron Ramsdale in goal. That was a huge call by Mikel Arteta, in my opinion. Now, I wanted to see Ramsdale in goal, but I think it was a massive call to drop Bernd Leno, because although Bern Leno hasn't exactly instilled a confidence in us as fans, over the last couple of seasons, you know, he's made some great saves at certain points, but he's also made some horrific mistakes. I think he puts the defence under pressure, et cetera, et cetera. I think it was a massive call, as I say, for Mikel Arteta to just go, step aside, burned Aaron, you're in. I'm glad he did it because I think it was important that Aaron Ramsdale got his Arsenal career off to a positive start. And as a goalkeeper, you can't really ask for much more than a clean sheet. Moving into the defence, it was exactly the defence that A lot of us, including myself, really, really wanted to see. Tommy Asu came into the side at right back. White, Gabriel and Tierney made up the rest of the back line. In midfield, Thomas Partey was left on the bench. Mikel Arteta just being a little bit cautious with the Ghanaian, and probably rightly so, actually, given what we've seen in terms of his fitness over the last couple of seasons and the problems that that's posed us over the longer term. So uh, Maitland-Niles partnered Sambi Lokonga in the middle, And then it was Pepe, Odegaard, Saka behind Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. So apart from the Partey thing, I basically picked the exact team that Mikel Arteta picked. So on the preview show yesterday, when I named my team, I basically got, what, 10 out of 11? Yeah, 10 out of 11. Partey was in for me instead of Maitland-Niles, but Mikel Arteta decided to go with Ainsley Maitland-Niles. We're going to come on to talk about individual performances in a little bit because there were a lot of performances that I think were worth discussing on this episode. But let's just quickly, as this is the post match reaction podcast, let's just quickly quickly have a look at some of the uh, you know general statistics. Now we will look a little bit deeper tomorrow when we do the tactical analysis show tomorrow morning, eleven am. You can join me for that right here subscribe if you haven't already. Hit the like button if you haven't already. But we'll be doing uh, a little bit more of a deeper dive into the tactics, into the statistical side of the game during that show tomorrow. But just looking at some of the baseline statistics, 52% of the possession, we had 30 shots at goal. 30 shots. When was the last time a Mikel Arteta side in the Premier League managed 30 shots at goal? Only seven of those were on target. And in an ideal world, you'd like to get that ratio higher. We managed to force eight corners. We committed nine fouls in comparison to Norwich City's 11. One of the things that's really winding me up that I've heard people saying on my way home that I've seen in the live chat here uh, already is that we scraped the win because we only won 1-0. Arsenal completely dominated Norwich City from start to finish. Norwich City had one effort on target. They created absolutely nothing of note, nothing whatsoever. Mikel Arteta's defence today kept a clean sheet and comfortably. And please, let's not, you know, why are we looking at, why are we trying to find the worst side of this victory? I mean, they, they, they didn't, you know, they didn't offer nothing. Norwich didn't offer anything. Let's be honest. And there were reasons for that, which we'll come on to in a little bit. But let's let's go on a little bit with some of those uh, those initial selections that Mikel Arteta made. First of all, the uh, inclusion of Ramsdale, as I said, big, big call. I think that Ramsdale brought character to the back line. You could see that Ramsdale was very vocal throughout. You could see that Aaron Ramsdale was. Um. You know, always on top of the defenders in terms of making it clear what he wanted, making them aware of what he could see from that goalkeeping position that maybe they couldn't. He was constantly barking out orders, constantly barking out instructions. Uh, Graham Brooks, who's going to be on the show with me on Monday, uh, made a, a really good point in his uh, AFTV interview after the game. There are very few that I watch, but Graham is, is always one of them, where he said that Aaron Ramsdale. Only one other goalkeeper in the Premier League last season, I think it was Emmy Martinez, had come out and caught the ball more times. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, Aaron Ramsdale did that lots of times in this game in particular, but you can see that dominating nature that Aaron Ramsdale has. You can see that he's got a presence as a goalkeeper that Burn Leno just hasn't shown. Burn Leno's a fine shot stopper. He's made some unbelievable saves during his time at Arsenal Football Club. But I just think the way Ramsdale dominates and controls his penalty area Breeds confidence into the back line I think he communicates with the back line really really well I think his distribution from the back is not always amazing like he's not Edison as I've said before he's not going to ping a ball and put you through on goal very often but what he does do is he makes the right decision more often than not had a bit of a hairy moment today when the ball was played back to him and he did a little bit of skill to get away from the on-rushing attacker which basically gave me a heart attack but um yeah, I really like the look of Ramsdale. And we were saying with some of the guys that were sitting in front of me today, he looks like a really great character. You know, when Arsenal were were defending a little bit towards the end of the game, trying to see out the 1-0 win, he was very vocal. You could see him going up to players, giving them a pat on the back, um, you know, really kind of stamping his authority, making his presence known. And I was glad that to, that he started. I said I wanted to see him start. And I'm even more delighted that he managed to get a clean sheet. I know, again, it's against Norwich. I know that there'll be tougher opposition and bigger and more difficult challenges to come. But good start to life uh, in the Premier League with Arsenal for Aaron Ramsdale. We move into the defence. I think that White looked a lot better with Gabriel next to him. Again, you've got to take that Norwich point um, into into, uh, consideration. But Arsenal allowed Tierney to bomb on that little bit further forward with Asu. Who'd played his first game for the Gunners, despite there being a lot of people feeling that he maybe wouldn't get the nod straight away because of how little time he spent with the team. But Tomiyasu was thrown right into the mix, and Tomiyasu, I thought, delivered. He showed that he can tuck in field. He also showed that he can get down the flank when needed to as well. And what really struck me about Tommy Tomiyasu when I was watching him warm up before the game even started was his size. Now, I'd read articles about how tall he was, et cetera, et cetera. But until you are physically in the same space as these players, until you can physically see them, uh, you can't really understand how big and physical and dominating he looks like Um uh, you know, I was really, really impressed with his work rate. I thought it was sensational. His effort was incredible. There were a couple of moments in the first half where he he got caught out, but then he had the pace to recover. He had the strength to recover. He looks like he's going to be an asset in the air. The fact that he can play centre back as well is another massive bonus. So good signs from Takahiro Tomiyasu, and I think he's going to go on to have a real good career at Arsenal. Uh, I know it's really early days, and I know you know sometimes we can get a bit carried away with these things, and again you know coming up against a better winger where maybe put, he's pushed back a little more we might see some of the flaws that Tomiyasu will have like anybody else maybe come to the surface but really really impressed by what i saw from him his work rate was incredible effort 10 out of 10 really committed display from the japanese international and he went close to scoring with a sensational volley um You know, it it was an excellent effort. I'm sure they'll show it on match of the day uh, if you haven't uh, been able to see the game, because obviously the game here in the UK wasn't televised. Pain in the arse that. Uh, Before I continue, let me just go over to the Super Chats. I want to say a big, big thank you uh, to Mr. Saeed Abdullah, because he's a regular uh, donator on this channel. Saeed, thank you so much, mate. Hope you are well. Uh, He's kindly donated $20. And he says, Harry, I think we should take some positives from the game, despite the poor finishing I really like the new back four. Uh, Takahiro to Tomiyasu with a great debut. White and Gabriel make a great partnership. My only worry is the lack of goals in this team. And we'll come on to address the lack of goals bit a little bit later on because it's kind of on my list of things to discuss. I think the back four, you're right. I think they looked quite cohesive as a unit. Obviously, the, the longer they play together, the more that's going to develop. Hopefully, they can all stay fit and hopefully we can find some sort of regularity and consistency there, because I believe more so than anywhere else on the pitch, consistency in terms of the same personnel playing week in, week out in defence is really, really important. Uh, White and Gabriel, for me, you know, they do look like a good pairing. They, you know, Gabriel brings you that kind of physicality, that strength, probably a little bit more pace than Ben White, but Ben White brings you that calmness on the ball. And I saw it on a number of occasions today where he got the ball and he just took a touch and he didn't rush. He didn't play the ball into midfield and put somebody under pressure who perhaps didn't want to receive it. He took his time. Sometimes he checked back and went simple. Sometimes he dribbled forward with it. Sometimes he looked to play a progressive pass. He looks like he's very, very confident in his own ability, Ben White. And I think although he does have some shortcomings, as does everybody else, I think a lot of those can be compensated for by Gabriel, who is a little bit more physical, is a little bit rough, more rough around the edges as a centre back. I think that you'll see the pair form a good partnership, but of course the key is keeping them both available. And, and fingers crossed, we can see that partnership develop and flourish. We'll come on, as I said, to talk about the lack of goals in the team a little bit later on because there is um there is a a couple of points I want to make on that. But moving back to the starting lineup, Sambi Laconga in the midfield. I think we all. Knew that he was going to play today because of, of course, the absence of Granit Xhaka, the absence of Mohamed Elneny. And I was really impressed by Sambi Lekonga again. Uh, drops into those deep positions, always willing to receive the ball, looks to ping the ball quickly, looks to break the lines with his passing, um, isn't just about going sideways. And I really, really like that. His first thought whenever he gets the ball and he receives it is, how can I progress it? How can I move it forward? And that's something that our midfielders lacked. I do worry overall about the midfield area just a little bit still because I feel like we're a little bit short there. I feel like if Thomas Partey can stay fit and, and marshal that midfield, then we're obviously a much better team. I thought he was brilliant when he came on. But, you know, we're just so thin in that area that you always feel like a couple of... Uh, and a couple of injuries can really put us up against it and in a bad position. But Sambi got brilliant again. Really, really enjoyed his performance. And Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who played an old, alongside him, I think did okay. Okay, now, you know, we talked a lot about Maitland-Niles in the last couple of weeks. Heavily linked with a move away. He obviously went on Instagram and told the world or almost hinted, suggested to the world that he was being held hostage by Arsenal Football Club, that he just wanted to leave. Obviously, something's happened in the conversation. Uh, that, you know, has led to him staying and he got his chance in the centre of midfield. And I always feel like when you're a player on the fringes, on the peripheries of the starting eleven, you need to take those opportunities with both hands when they come along. And I think this was a massive, massive opportunity for Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Do I think he grabbed it? I think he maybe grabbed it with one hand, but not with both, if that makes sense. Because for me, there were flashes of what Ainsley Maitland-Niles is brilliant at, which is receiving the ball under pressure sometimes, uh, being calm, being composed, trusting in his ability. I think he went on a couple of really good dribbles, put a delicious ball into the penalty area with his weaker left foot in the first half. Um, But then there were a couple of moments where he got caught in position where he just dallied on it. Dallied, dilly, dallied. Is that what I'm trying to? Dilly, dallied? You know what I mean? Um, On the ball just for a few seconds too long and he got caught and there was one in the first half where actually the referee blew the whistle and pulled it back for a foul. And I thought to myself, you know, it probably is a foul in 2021, but um, I thought he was a little bit fortunate um, to kind of get away with that and a couple of other incidents as well. There were a couple of times where he got forward and I didn't think he made necessarily the right decision. Listen, I've never been a fan of Ainsley-Metlinas in midfield. I've never felt that that is a position he is capable of holding down a position in this team in. You know, he deserves an opportunity because you look at what we got and we haven't got a lot that, you know, let's be honest. And he got that opportunity today. If I was to look back and assess his performance, and, and remember, this is like a raw reaction, okay? I haven't done The rewatch, I haven't done the tactical analysis. All of that is coming to you guys tomorrow. But at this moment in time, I feel like he kind of did okay, but not much more than that, if I'm being completely honest. And some people may disagree, and that's absolutely fine. But that's just the way I felt. I felt Martin Odegaard, on the other hand, had a really, really good game, actually. I've seen a few people in the chat saying that he was shit today. And I think that's, that's not true at all. And I and I don't know, you know, I don't know who of you was at the game, who of you watched the game on TV or whatever. But the reason I say Martin Odegaard had a good game was because I thought at times he showed some real quality in terms of his technical ability, some lovely touches, a couple of moments in the first half where he almost released players with wonderful little flicks. He played a lovely ball over the top to put a Bamiang through, which ended in a save from from Tim Krull. Um But what I really, really liked about Odegaard was when he didn't have the ball, when he didn't have the opportunity to showcase what it is that Martin Odegaard is all about, which is technical brilliance, vision, quality on the ball, he got stuck in and he worked incredibly hard. One of the things that was best about Arsenal's performance today was the aggression with which they pressed Norwich City. For 30 minutes, 25 to 30 minutes at the start of the game, Norwich City could not string three passes together and they couldn't get out from the edge of their own penalty area. Arsenal pressed and they pressed and they pressed and they did it aggressively and they did it quickly and they did it collectively and they made life really, really difficult for Daniel Farker's side. And Martin Odegaard was one of the front runners in that. Martin Odegaard was one of the aggressors, one of the leaders, and he was almost setting the tone along that front line of how it is that you need to press. And people did it uh, behind him. And as I say, they did it as a collective, the team, and it was brilliant. Pete Geary in the chat says, at times today, I felt he was moving the ball too slow. I think there were a couple of moments that, um, you know, I do feel he probably could have released the ball a little bit quicker. And I think I've spoken about it before that Emile Smith-Rowe brings a different skill set. And we'll come on to talk about the impact he had a little bit later on when he was brought on. But what I'm saying is, going back to Odegaard, is that I feel like, although when you think about Martin Odegaard, you think about technical brilliance, you think about through balls, um, defense splitting passes, dribbles, shots from the edge of the box, et cetera, et cetera. Actually, what Martin Odegaard did w- without the ball was, was just as impressive. So really, really impressed with him. Attitude is spot on. And listen, we've talked a lot about attitude over the last few years because it's been a real problem at Arsenal Football Club. We've talked about a lack of commitment. And although we didn't score four or five goals like lots of people wanted us to see today, I think it was a really committed display. I really, really do. Was it perfect? No. Was there things that we still need to work on? Of course there are. But I think the one thing if you're gonna say if you're gonna take one thing away from today's game, it's that that there was commitment, that there was energy that the players were together and that whether you like it or not, and a lot of people aren't going to like this, it didn't look like they weren't playing for Mikel Arteta to me. So, um, you know, praise to Martin Odegaard because I thought he was uh, he was brilliant, really was. And also, um, as mentioned by Junior Gunner, I, I slag off sections of our fan base a lot. I talk about negativity how much it frustrates me, how much it irritates me, how much it winds me up. But you know what? Fair play uh, because Arsenal's fans today inside the Emirates Stadium were right behind the team from the first minute to the last minute. I thought the atmosphere for a game against Norwich, you know, relative to what we've seen in years gone by, was very, very good. It was lively. People kind of into the team today because of the commitment with which they were playing. And I guess as a fan base, that's the bare minimum, isn't it? You want to see that from your players. And if you do see that, you'll get behind them and you'll support them. And I thought that the crowd did that brilliantly today. Were there a couple of moments of frustration where we probably should have put the game to bed? Yeah, there were. But again, everybody largely stayed positive. There were a couple of morons around me that booed at halftime when we went in at nil-nil and I I literally just turned around and I was like, what the hell are you booing about? How is that helpful? I don't know. I don't know. But the fans inside the stadium today, for the most part, apart from a couple of idiots, were fantastic. And it really, really does help. And the team now, um, you know, need us more than ever. You know, this is a, a real difficult period for Arsenal Football Club. And I talked in the lead up to this game about how, yes, you know, it'd be lovely Brilliant, fantastic, if we went out on the pitch and blew Norwich away. But that the likelihood was that this was gonna be um one of those games where it was gonna be one just it was gonna be a game where we might need to just push over the line, we might need a stroke of fortune to get us over that line. But we you know <laughs> I'm just laughing at one of the comments, which I'll read in a minute. Um, you know, the fact is we, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing at the comment. I'm, I'm going to read it in a minute. Um, yeah, look, we we didn't blow them away. we created a lot of chances, which we'll come on to talk about in a little bit more. But the scoreline wasn't huge is the point I'm trying to make. You know, the, the chances were there. How can anybody say that we didn't dominate the game when we had 30 shots at goal is beyond me. Um, we did dominate the game. We just didn't create enough of a, a a cushion, a gap to say that it was a comfortable victory is the point I'm trying to make here. Uh, this is the comment that made me laugh. I've got, I've got to read this out. Sorry if I get you in trouble junior gunner. But when I was talking about the atmosphere inside the stadium, he said the atmosphere really translated through my illegal stream. Whoops. I mean, paid subscription. <laughs> brilliant. Um, brilliant stuff. Right. Um, maxima says 30 shots how many on target i just showed you like do i have to go over the same stuff again seven i said that it should be more but the point is that everybody says arsenal don't create chances under Mikel Arteta, and for the most part they haven't but they did today there were plenty of chances obama had a few um aside from the goal a couple of one-on-ones with tim crawl a couple of shots from difficult angles but saka had a couple of efforts nicolas pepe went very close on a number of occasions. So Arsenal certainly did make opportunities. Emil smith burned the couple as well. The chances were there today. The chances were there. I'm not going to have anybody tell me otherwise. I was at the game. I saw it. Um, You know, there was lots and lots of opportunities being created by Arsenal and largely off the back of us pushing forward, pressing aggressively and winning the ball high up the pitch. And what you saw today in Spell's, was exactly what Mikel Arteta is trying to get out of this team on a regular basis. And, you know, we've gone through this crap of of moving players out. And, and today, that team that you saw was Mikel Arteta's team. Aaron Ramsdale, goalkeeper, he's signed. Takahiro Tomiyasu, player, he's signed. Ben White, he's signed. Gabriel, he signed. Kieran and he was already here, but he's brilliant. Moving into midfield. Laconga, his player. Ainsley Meternal is a player that he's desperately held on to despite there being interest from a number of clubs. Martin Odegaard, his signing. Nicola Pepe, someone who was already there, but obviously, um, you know, he's not going to change the whole 11. You had Saka in there, a player that he's trusted. And Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, his captain, the man he gave or agreed or signed off on uh, giving that massive uh, contract to. So it was Mikel Arteta's team today. And you saw, I think, a lot more of the elements that Mikel Arteta is trying to introduce to Arsenal Football Club. The the, challenge is now, though, is that you need to do that consistently so that we as fans can begin to kind of buy into it, understand it, read it, get it a little bit more. And I'm talking about the philosophy that is in the way we want to play. You know, a lot of you have criticised me over the last year or so for constantly defending Granit Xhaka. But I've got to say, you know, hands up. I'll say it. If this is the way that Mikel Arteta wants Arsenal to play, squeezing teams into their own half, pushing high up the pitch, pressing aggressively, closing people down constantly and being more progressive in our our passing and trying to get the ball from back to front a lot quicker, then Granit Xhaka probably doesn't fit. And Now, in hindsight, I'm saying, well, if that was the plan all along, then you probably should have let him go and you probably should have brought in somebody who was a little bit, you know, of a better fit stylistically to that particular game. Let's see how it goes, you know, over the next few weeks. Mikel Arteta's got some massive games coming up because although this victory over Norwich City relieves the pressure temporarily in the eyes of a lot of Arsenal fans, It doesn't completely get rid of it. It doesn't completely, you know, you know, make it disappear. It can't because too much has gone wrong. But look, as Matt says in the chat, and, and, you know, I'm a massive believer in this. There's so much negativity. The team we support just won a game of football. Try to enjoy the win. Enjoying the win doesn't mean you're Arteta in or you think we've turned the corner. It's okay to be happy that we won. Matt, comment of the night that if there was a little trophy... For comment of the night, it would go to you, my friend, because that is absolutely spot on. just because we won a game and and I've come away from Emirates smiling. and you know, I'm happy and I'm positive, and I'm doing a podcast for the first time this season, off the back of an arsenal victory in the Premier League, and I got to use the little picture of me with the fist pumping the thumbnail and all of that jazz. doesn't mean that I'm completely oblivious to all the issues that we've seen in the season so far and under Mikel Arteta so far. It doesn't mean that that's completely disappeared. It doesn't paper over the cracks, as Inter says, um, you know, in the chat box. It doesn't. It only papers over the cracks if you allow it to. If you can't see those cracks, that's your problem. It doesn't paper over them for the people that want to be fair and balanced, whatever way they're looking at it. as much as you might want Mikel Arteta out, and there are a lot of people that do, surely you can say that Arsenal were better in the press today, that Arsenal were more aggressive today, that Arsenal created a lot more chances than they normally do today. You know, these things are facts. These things are facts. And denying them doesn't mean that you all of a sudden love and adore Mikel Arteta and want him to manage us for the next decade. It just means that you're being fair in your assessment, I think. A uh, big shout out to a few of you. In the, there's a lot of hellos coming through in the chat. A uh, big thank you to HS fans. He says, um, I listen to so many Arsenal podcasts. You are by far the smartest and most balanced of all. You are awesome. Keep it up. Oh, my God. He said, Tom, if you're looking for the Guna talk, you better go over and say that to Tom. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Really, really appreciate that. And, and Tom is great. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, right. Let's, uh, let's continue through. Let's talk a little bit uh, about the front line. I thought Nicola Pepe, you know, had a very decent game uh, today. You know, I've, again, another player who divides opinion, who a lot of people are not sure about. I think that he's haunted almost um, by that kind of price tag that obviously Arsenal paid for him, which is unfair because it's not his fault. But I thought with, with Nicolas Pepe, he always made things happen. You know, whether that was taking on someone, going on the outside of them, cutting inside, getting a shot away, winning a corner. He won a lot of corners today for Arsenal, Nicolas Pepe. He never shies away. He's always involved. And that is so, so important in a forward player for me, that even when it's not going right in terms of, you know, in terms of your final product, uh, you know, in terms of you've tried to bend it to the far corner, but it's just gone wide. What I think Nicolas Pepe does really, really well is that he keeps his head up and he continues and he continues and he continues and i thought he was desperately unlucky not to be the man to score the winning goal today because his effort came off the post it came back again um and then it, it ended up um it ended up at the feet of Pierre Emerick Aubameyang who turned it in for the winner but that was all of nicola pepe's making and that's the point I, I always make about him he always makes things happen he can be incredibly frustrating at times, but he's always involved. He's always a threat. And I really, really liked what I saw from him today. But Kai Osaka was okay today. I thought he was better in the latter stages of the match. I thought, um, you know, he worked hard. I thought there was a couple of moments where he got forward and I just wanted him to do a little bit more in the final third. Didn't quite come off. Aubameyang was better today. I thought he got in behind on a number of occasions. I thought the service to him was better and that obviously helps. I mentioned Odegaard picking him out a couple of times. Um, But he looked really interested today, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. And at times recently, there have been question marks around his commitment and about how up for it he really, really is. But I was really, really impressed by what I saw from Aubameyang today. And listen, for me, goals like the one Aubameyang scored today, although they're not the best goals that he'll score, although they're not the most aesthetically pleasing of all Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's goals, they're the kind of goals that I don't really think that Lacazette scores. I think he's got a better instinct in terms of being in the right place at the right time. Um, and I thought he he ran the channels well. If you remember at the start of the second half, there was a ball played down the right-hand side at Arsenal on the break. And he sort of carried it and he kicked it at quite a way ahead of him. And he turned on the burners and he bombed down the line and he went to cut it back. But nobody was around, which obviously wasn't his fault. But it was nice to see Aubameyang getting into those positions where he could stretch his legs and get running and really kind of take the game um, to Norwich City and do what he's good at, which is playing off the shoulder, playing with pace, playing with drive. And then when the ball fell to him, um, you know, off the back of that brilliant bit of work from Nicolas Pepe, he was there to tap it in. So I've said this all all summer and I think it's, it's, it's still relevant now. If Arsenal are going to get back to where they need to get to, it is imperative, absolutely imperative that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is back scoring goals and scoring goals frequently. It's the most important thing. And he's off the mark today. Fingers crossed that can continue. And fingers crossed we can see a positive performance and result uh, at Burnley next weekend. So, yeah, um, look, look. Am I sitting here saying that just because we beat Norwich by a goal to nil, Arsenal is fixed and everything's right? No, I'm not saying that. Um, what I am saying is that there are a lot of positives to take from today's game. I think, as I said, just to summarise, before we take some of your questions. I start getting them in the chat, by the way, now, so that I can come to them in a moment. But to summarise, I thought we pressed well, really aggressively. I thought it dropped off a little bit at the end of the, sec- uh, end of the first half which was a little bit of a worry, but we picked it back up again after halftime. We won the ball high up the pitch on a number of occasions. I thought there were some good individual performances. Arsenal created a lot more chances than they normally do under Mikel Arteta, which is a positive. Another positive is the subs when they came on. I thought they did really, really well. I thought Partey was excellent when he came on. A little bit worried about Cedric, um, when he came on because he's been a bit of a disaster at the start of the season, but okay, we got away with that one. And I thought that Emile Smith Rowe was excellent. I can't believe it's taken me this long to mention him 33 minutes into the podcast. Emile Smith Rowe did everything that Emile Smith Rowe does brilliantly in that short period of time. He was on the pitch. He picked up the ball in good positions on the half turn and drove with a purpose with pace with, with great control, understood when to release the ball um, to put players wide either side of him into good positions and positions from which they could have shots at goal. He lets us down a little bit, Emil Smith-Rowe, when he gets in those positions, though, because I feel like there's a couple of times today where he could have had a shot himself hesitated the gap closed and then he tried to cut it back across the box and it didn't really work out but in terms of the drive he gives you and the ball control and the vision he gives you i thought he was excellent um so big shout out to emil smith for as well coming on as a substitute and the other positive obviously clean sheet there you go right just uh, before i do take some of these questions from the live chat uh let me just quickly remind you to make sure that if you haven't done so already you subscribe to the channel it really really does help we want to get to 16 and a half thousand on youtube as soon as possible i don't think we're that far away from it i think we're probably about 60 70 subs away uh from getting there so if you haven't done that already please do hit the subscribe button also please hit the like button if you haven't done so already because I'm just checking where we're at now but um Normally, if I don't ask for the likes, we don't get as many. And uh, I hate doing it, but it is really important for the channel. We've got 459 of you watching us live right now, but we've only got 96 likes on the board. There is no reason why we shouldn't have 200 likes by the time this stream ends because there are enough of you watching in the live chat. So please do get involved. Right. Let's take some of your questions. Uh, Junior Gunner says, why is our tactic to get balls in wide areas, i.e. Pepe and Tini, to whip balls into the box with no aerial presence or conviction? Arteta's poor tactics will get us found out by half decent sides. So that's something that we do a lot. We do work the ball into wide areas. We do put balls into the penalty area. Clearly, that's something that, you know, has been worked on. But a lot of the time, I feel that's what your opponent will let you do. If that makes sense, and you're almost doing it because it's the only space that you can find. I'm not sure there's as much emphasis on that as we see or as we think based on what we see. It's probably the better way of putting that. I think that naturally teams look to defend the whip for their penalty area. They do look to force you wide and they know when they've done their homework that Arsenal don't necessarily have the players to pose them a problem from those deliveries into the penalty area. So they kind of play a percentage game and say, you know what? Let them have the ball there. We'll defend the width of our penalty area as best as we can. And we will bank on the fact that our dominating centre-halves, should be dominating centre-halves, will be able to deal with those balls coming into the box. And naturally, that becomes our pattern of play because the space is there. So naturally, as a footballer, when you receive the ball in midfield, you look for the space. And I think the thing we're guilty of is not necessarily putting loads of emphasis on it in training and in the build-up. But I think what we're guilty of is not being bold and brave enough in our passing to try and change that up, to try and break the mould a little bit. And we naturally slip into when the midfielder gets the ball, he looks to the left, he sees Kieran Tierney in space that's been afforded to him, and then they play the ball there. And then naturally from that position, what else is the fullback going to do? So the point I'm trying to make is that I think that it is obviously a feature of our game. You know, you can't deny that. We see it every single week. But is it a feature of our game because there's a massive emphasis on it from Mikel Arteta? I don't think so. I think it's a massive feature of our game because it's the way teams like to defend against us. It's the way teams know they can defend against us. And it becomes the easy option to play that pass out to the left over and over and over again. And this is where I want to see Arsenal's midfield be a bit braver in their decisions. Don't look at Tierney. you know, maybe faint to give it to Tierney. turn back inside, try and break in between the lines, play it into the feet of the centre forward. I want to see more variety to the play. I think that's something that could still improve for sure. Um, a Yoku says, uh, hello, Harry greetings from Canada. We did create a lot of chances today, but didn't put them away. That is worrying. Glad we won though. Yeah. Look, that is the worry, isn't it? The, the inability to put chances away. And, and that's a worry and a concern for me. I talked about last week, how I felt that we're relying too much on players who don't necessarily have great track records when it comes to goals as being those goal scorers and asking them to step up to another level. And, I think when you look at some of the chances we missed today, you kind of, you know, you kind of see that, don't you? That we're still just missing that killer instinct in the the final third sometimes. Uh, Moving on, let's see uh, what else you guys are saying. Um, Hold on a second. There was one I wanted to read, but the chat's just updated and it might disappear. Here it goes. Uh, Lung Burkamp says, how did we dominate them when we scored a scrappy goal? to win the match 1-0, because all the statistics say we dominated them. Uh, we created all of the chances. I don't remember Aaron Ramsdale having to make a good save at any point in the game. I remember Tim Crawl making a load, though. Um, and and while we're on the subject of Tim Crawl, I just have to get this kind of, this moan off my chest, because Tim Crawl is the worst for this. We've had a lot of goalkeepers over the years come to Emirates Stadium and from the first whistle, from the first minute, try and waste as much time as possible. And Tim crawl was doing this today from the very off and it was driving me bloody mad. It was driving me crazy. And the reason it drives me crazy is because it, it tends to work out like this. Arsenal dominate the game. Arsenal create all the chances. Arsenal struggle to break you down then you uh, you revert deeper, deeper, deeper and deeper. And as a result of your clear game plan, which is just to take a point, you know, to walk away from the stadium with a draw, you at every opportunity waste as much time as you possibly can. Then Arsenal score. And Tim Cruel and Norwich City get all the time that Tim Krul has wasted in the game so far, given back to them as added time For them to try and find an equaliser it drives me mad and that is something in football i believe needs to be changed there needs to be something in place where the referee i don't know could you attribute the time wasting to one particular team and maybe kind of look at it that way because i just feel like tim Krull wasted all of that time because norwich were trying to get a draw out of us And then once we've got our goal, and actually we would prefer the game to just finish on 90, bang, done, finished, off you go. Tim Krull's team are given another four minutes to try and find that equaliser. So it really irritates me, that rule. Um, Really, really does. Uh, Jovan says, uh, can we talk again about the fact that Saka is not clinical enough to start week in, week out? It's concerning how blind the fan base is with these young players. Saka should be dropped for the next game. Look, I've made this point, so I can't say I disagree with you because I don't, don't think he's clinical enough in the final third. But I think that's the case with Emil Smith-Rowe. I think that's the case with Martin Odegaard. I think that's the case with Lacazette sometimes. I think that's the case with Pepe sometimes. You know, Pepe, obviously, he's a lot more clinical than some of those players I've mentioned because of the sheer volume of goals. But with the chances he gets and with the opportunities he creates for himself, you could argue he should score more. I guess for me, We have decided to hang our hats on these players and I don't want to personally dig them out, but I do feel like come the end of the season, if we do fall short, one of the big reasons will be that Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe, Odegaard haven't contributed as many goals as the creative midfielders and wingers of some of the teams in and around us um, have managed And, and that could be something that lets Arsenal down for sure. Uh, Let's take a couple more questions and then I'm going to leave it there because I want to um, I want to go and watch the tennis. The women's U.S. Open final is underway. And as I say, uh, we'll be bringing you the tactical analysis on this one tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. UK time. Chris says that. Love the Vieira chance. Yeah, Vieira chance ringing around the Emirates Stadium today because, of course, Tottenham Hotspur were beaten by Paddy Vieira's Crystal Palace. By three goals to nil game. I'm really looking forward to watching on match of the day. Um, so yeah, brilliant stuff. Uh, let me take one more then. Uh, let's see what we've got. Uh, Patrick says, uh, question, we had 30 shots and scored one goal. That's a 3% conversion rate. Not good enough for strikers in the Premier League. How do we improve it? I think the individuals need to improve in that sense. I think they need to be more clinical. I think they need to um, you know, sometimes make better decisions in those positions, it's it's a really hard thing to put your finger on because sometimes it can be down to rotten luck. Like I think when Nicolas Pepe is hitting one post and then the other, you can't really sit there and say that he's, you know, for example, his finishing awful because it's, we're talking about fine margins. I think sometimes we see players take on shots from positions where really they're not going to score. And then obviously that, makes that conversion rate look worse. But equally, when they don't have shots, we're on here after the game moaning that we didn't have enough shots. So I think for me, it's just, you know, it's about confidence in a lot of ways. I think that, you know, I used to play as a striker, obviously not at Premier League level, but to a good level. And, um, you know, it was confidence. And I was talking to someone when I played f- uh, football on Thursday night. Um, and and I was playing up front and I scored a few goals and and someone said to me, you know yeah you you know you you seem really cool in front of goal and clinical in front of goal and look this is not not that I'm advising professional footballers but my mindset and what I was told by a very good coach I had when I was younger was as a striker you're expected to score you should in your own mind expect yourself to score you shouldn't have any doubt in front of goal you're instinct should kick in in terms of whether you're going to put it right corner left corner top corner whatever instinct should dictate that and you should never believe that you're going to miss and I think that that's to do with mindset and it's to do with um you know your kind of confidence and belief in yourself now I'm not saying um that you know I mastered it because then maybe I'd be a footballer. But it's something that I think is is a really good piece of advice that a coach could give to a young striker. Um so yeah, I, I think that's a lot of it. I think it's about confidence. It's about believing in yourself. And uh yeah, I think that, that they'll improve on that and they'll become more ruthless and they'll become more clinical over time. But I do you know, not to put a negative spin on the end of the podcast right at the end. But I do feel like the fact that some of those players do spurn a lot of opportunities could be something that comes and bites us later on uh, in the season. I hope it doesn't, but it does feel like a bit of a worry for me. I've got to be honest. Right. We are going to leave it there. Uh, Catch you all again tomorrow for uh, our tactical analysis and player rating show always good fun that one always sparks lots of debates in the chat as well uh there are 445 of you online right now we've only got 147 likes on the board let's try and get that as close to 200 as we possibly can between now and the outro finishing i'll catch you all soon arsenal one sleep well come on you gunners we're off the mark for from bottom get in sitting to the chronicles of eguna the arsenal podcast i'm martin Tyler, and you're listening to harry simeon